Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Wings for the game. Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom, cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here alongside Corey Pronman back with another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. I am so excited for today's show. We're going to be joined by Shane Wright, top prospect of the 2022 NHL Draft. And then Corey and I are going to run through what we saw at the Traverse City and Arizona Prospect Tournaments, leading us right into the starts of training camps this week. We're going to start with Shane Wright, but, but just before we get to that, Corey... Let's tell everyone a little bit about Shane Wright, and not just the player, because I think people are familiar by now with with the kind of talent that Shane Wright is, but also kind of the the person of Shane Wright and and the perception of him in, in, in NHL circles. Yeah, like kind of said, you know, the exceptional status guy in the Ontario League, uh, thirty nine goals in fifty eight games uh, in his fifteen year old season, the rare fifteen wow. year old season. Uh, you know, he was just incredible uh, when you. Look at what he did that year, and he goes to the U18 World Championships. You can, in my opinion, he was the best player there. The the media voted for Montfei Mitchkov, but I think you could have easily have gone with gone with Shane Wright being the best player there as an underage. Uh, he's just a really impressive overall player. It's, it's you know when I'm kind of I think sometimes people view me as the as a as a guy who can pick apart any player uh, <laughs> and find some sort of criticism in your favorite player. But with him, it's almost like there's no – it's hard for me to find one, honestly. doesn't mean you know he ha- he's amazing at every single one thing, but I think his game is extremely well-rounded. Uh, I think he's got almost all the components you want in, in, in a, a top NHL player. And when I, w- I was telling some people in the league that we're going to have him on, and and you know they all told me, like, you know, this guy might – be you know a teenager but he's got the maturity of uh, you know a seven eight year nhl veteran and uh i think you know we saw that uh when we interviewed him yeah you could really see that the poise that he had and in, in the way that he answered all those questions and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking not only was i not that poised and mature and and kind of confident at, at 16 17 years old i'm not sure that i'm that poised or mature right now at 26 i won't argue with that last point <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure you would not. All right. Well, then we'll get right to that. Without further ado, Shane Wright. 
All right, we are very excited to welcome today's guest. You'll be hearing his name a lot this season as the top prospect in the 2022 NHL draft from the Kingston Front Knacks, Shane Wright. Shane, how's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing really well. It's uh, so it's preseason right now for you guys, right? Have you, you guys are a couple of preseason games in so far. Yeah, exactly. Just finished up our second preseason game on uh, last Saturday. It's been a really long preseason for the O2, right? It's like a month long. Yeah, a little bit longer. Uh, I think it's it's designed that way because you know obviously no season last year, so um, giving the teams you know extra time to prepare and uh, you know, a lot of new guys as well. So um, a couple of new guys coming in, but uh, it's you know it's nice having these couple extra couple extra weeks to to prepare for the season. How has that been getting back into kind of real real competition, real action now after after such a long time away for you guys? Oh, I mean, it feels amazing. It feels great to finally be back in Kingston. Um, I'll be back with my teammates, uh, you know, going to the rink every day and, and seeing them and, uh, you know, going to battle with them and, and you know, just the overall day-to-day experience uh, in the room, just talking to the guys, having fun. Um, you know, I think that's what I missed, missed, missed the most about, you know, the OHL life, just being around the guys, you know, all the time. And uh, yeah, so it just, you know, it feels great to be back and, uh, you know, great to be uh, back here in Kingston. How did you, I mean, how did you spend all that time last year? What, what was your practice and training set up and schedule? Like, what were you doing as, as you're waiting to first find out if they're going to play and then to, to still train and develop when once, even once you found out they weren't? Yeah, it was, uh, stayed pretty much the same throughout, throughout the whole, the whole process there. Um, all 18 months, just, you know, working out in the morning, um, and then having some sort of skate in the afternoon or, or, uh, or something like that. And then just, just having some, some downtime where I can, um, you know, hang out with some buddies or, or, you know, do some other stuff, you know, work on off the ice or do some stretching or, or whatever that may be. So, um, I stayed, uh, stayed pretty, pretty structured throughout the whole thing. I like having a plan, having a, having a structure. So, um, and I'm a big routine guy as well. So every day was, uh, was pretty similar to, to the next. A lot of the older prospects in the OHL, especially, um, especially kind of the draft year guys, some of them looked for for other situations, whether that be Europe. A couple of guys went to the to the USHL. Even was that ever something you really explored, or, or were you kind of all the way wanting to just whatever happened with the OHL was what you were going to do? Yeah, I think uh, definitely explored other options. Obviously, uh, you know you, you don't intend to take a whole year off hockey. You don't you know you don't really want to take a whole year off playing games. Uh, I think for me in the situation I was in, you know we were we were kind of told that the OHL was going to start at some point. Um, and, you know, the time where I was at, I was, you know, maybe a month out from what we were told the, the, like the start date for the OHL season was. So, um, you know, I was thinking, you no, know, it's probably not worth to go maybe over to Europe or the USHL for, you know, maybe a month and have to come back um, and, and do a quarantine. Uh, Cause at that time, you know, we had to quarantine for the two weeks. So um, I think for me at that time, it, it just wasn't really worth, worth it obviously you know they kept pushing back the start date and then you know eventually ended up canceling it entirely which which kind of sucks but um that's kind of how how my thought process went um with uh with that whole situation so like what your mentality was when you went to like the Canada under 20 camp which i believe was in december were you kind of almost like hoping that was going to be kind of a ramp up for you going into a potential ohl start yeah yeah i think at that time we were we were told that you know, we had a February 4th start date um, and we were going back in, you know, mid January, early January for training camp. So uh, that camp ended around like just before Christmas time. So I was, I was thinking, Hey, this is going to be a, 
know, a good ramp up for the season and, and good, you know, preparation for, for my season. So, um, ended up obviously not going through, but, um, it was, that was, that was still a great experience for me overall. What do you think like that year, how do you think it impacted your development? I mean, it's, I think that's, that was the question everybody had about so many guys your age and, and years above and below you of, of what that would, what would mean for you. I mean, how, how did you feel personally, how it affected your development? I think, I think just personally, um, it, it, it was tough at times. It was tough to, to wake up every day and, and, you know, go to the gym and, and then, you know, grind in the gym and then grind on the ice as well every single day. And then, you know, go to bed and do the same thing the next day. Um, no, you, you miss the, the overall grind of, of, you know, playing hockey and playing games and, and being on a team, obviously. Yeah. I didn't get really, I got a few opportunities to, to taste, you know, the team, the team practice aspect with obviously the world junior camp and U18s and, and stuff like that. But other than that, it was, you know, mainly, mainly individual skills. Um, I didn't really have many opportunities to work on, you know, the team environment, team structure and stuff like that. So, um, it was just largely individually focused, um, with, uh, with a few, you know, team practices and stuff sprinkled in. Was there any way that kind of Kingston, the Kingston guys kind of stayed together, not stayed together, like as communicate with each other, stayed in touch? Yeah. Yeah. Through, you know, a, a lot of the lockdown, um, well not a little more later on, like around August in, in, uh, 2020. Um, and then on, on from there, we had, you know, a bunch of zoom calls with our team, um, and our coaches just trying to kind of going over our, our structure and our systems. Um, making sure everyone was, was up to date with all that and making sure we all, uh, you know, knew what our, our structure was going to be um, if and when we would, you know, come back to Kingston for camp and, and begin the season again. So um, I think that was great for us. It was great to, um, you know, interact as a team and um, kind of go over those, those, those hockey and um, you know, those, those team mindset stuff that, you know, we really didn't get a taste of um, for a long time before that. So someone told me to ask you about something called the toe curve club. What, what is the toe curve club, Shane? Yeah, it's, uh, one of the, one of my skills coaches I work with, his name is Josh Robel. Um, he's, uh, he used to work with Adam Oates. Um, he worked under him for a number of years and, and he learned lots from him eventually, uh, left to start his own business. Um, it's kind of, uh, like a, like a little group of us. We, uh, just a bunch of skills, a lot of shooting and, and puck handling drills and, um, just finding different ways to score from different areas. And um, the toe curve club comes from uh, the, the type of blade uh, that he, that he likes us to use. It's, it's a pretty good, pretty big toe curve, obviously, as, as the name name says there, um, just kind of, just kind of like a little trademark from, uh, from the group and uh, from his business there. So what's the toe curve do? Like, like if I had a, a steeper curve on the toe of my blade, what would I be able to do better? Uh, yeah. Just the way he kind of teaches us to shoot. It's kind of like you load the puck in the toe and then you can release it from there. You can make passes or, or you can, uh, you know, protect the puck or however you want. So that's kind of, you know, the benefits, uh, from, from using one of those wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky Jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking a W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game-changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. 
Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Pivoting to a little bit more of the hockey side uh, for you, you know, I mean, this is going to be a question you're going to get from a lot of teams. So almost like a preparation for you is, you know, what is a what is a player or two in, in the NHL that you that you think your game compares to, whether either, you know, identically or stylistically? Yeah, a guy that I, I really like comparing myself to is Patrice Bergeron. Um, obviously he's been one of the top players in the league for a number of years now. He's, you know, such a great leader and, you know, he makes his teammates better. Obviously, uh, his line goes by the name perfection line. And that's, that's not for, for just no reason. I mean, he's, he's almost, you know, a complete player, obviously tuner foot game. Um, he's won, you know, Selkie trophies. He's won, um, different awards like that. And, um, he's just a guy that I like watching. I feel like, um, I like playing the tuner foot game as well. Um, I, I feel like I, uh, I can be trusting my own end as well as, you know, create offense and, and score some goals as well. So he's a guy that I love watching and I really, you know, compare myself to. Uh, it's fair to say from, from watching, you know, a lot of you over the last few years that your shot is a, is a big aspect of your game. Would you think that'd be fair to say? Yeah, I, I would. I feel like um, over the last couple summers, I really, really, you know, focused on, you know, um, my shot and you know scoring from different areas and, and my release making making it quicker making it stronger and um, really figuring out how to pick my spots from from different areas so uh, definitely really really happy with where that's at obviously uh, not perfect and can still get better but it's definitely uh, one of the strengths of my game and I think you know you don't see I guess a lot of like these premium centers in the NHL who are goal driven players I mean you can't make plays but you know just looking at your numbers you know going back you know through most of your career you tend to score more than and then you get assists. Your shot seems to be a big aspect of your game. It seems like, uh, I guess, the one guy that kind of comes to mind, not like a similar comp for you, would be like kind of like a guy, basically, like, you know, you see like guys like Matthews doing that right now in the National Hockey League, that they tend to be like, you know, goal-driven centers. Like, I know it may not be the way you describe yourself, more of a Bergeron type, but uh, I guess, you know, like how do you, do you see any aspect of your games in the way a guy like Matthews plays? You see some distinct differences? Yeah, yeah, no, I I definitely see see some some similarities with the way I play. Um, I love watching him play. Obviously, um, living where I do in, in Burlington, I get to get to see every Toronto Maple Leaf game. So I got to watch him, you know, a ton last year and, and the years before that. And um, I love watching him. Obviously, he's a special player, and you know, his release is, um, in my in my opinion, the best in the league. Um, the way he can he can shoot the puck from any spot um, is something I uh, I really like to to watch and. Um, you know, like to try to, you know, put it, emulate into my game and, and try to, um, you know, add that to my repertoire. I guess overall, how would you kind of describe the way you create your offense, not just through your shot, but like in general, how would you say, you know, Shane Wright creates his offense? Yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm a pretty smart player. I think I, I understand the game well. I think I can make good reads off the defenders and, and off my teammates as well. Um, I think I'm, I'm competitive as well. Um, I can win battles. I can go into corners and, you know, 
you know, take out those big D and, and use my body to win those puck battles and uh, create space for my teammates and, um, and just make smart plays. Um, I always try to make, you know, make those smart plays, not try to try to force everything, make, uh, you know, simple, smart plays and um, just try to create as much as possible. And that's kind of one of the things I want to follow up with you on is the, is the, is the way you can, you battle and the things you might do, you know, through contact, because I, I think the highlights will show like your shot. Like say we go watch the U18 worlds as you for sure recall, you know, you scored a lot of, you scored a lot of goals from range uh, from the circles, but you know, do you think you're an exterior driven player, you know, generating offense from, from the perimeter, or do you think you're more of an interior guy in terms of where your offense comes from? Uh, I think right now, maybe a little bit of both, obviously. Um, like you said, I scored quite a few from, from the perimeter, uh, U18s. And I think that's, uh, it's an area I can improve on. I can get more, get to the dirty areas a little more in those, those space in the front of the net, um, and score more of those interior goals, like you were talking about, um, that's definitely an area of my game that I'm I'm looking to improve on, and I think that's uh, that's a you know a place I can really you know, take my game to the next level. Okay, it wasn't meant as a criticism. Actually, I think actually if you yeah, I've, when I've seen like like teams like show me like where your heat charts are, like where your chances come from, it seems like a good chunk of them still come from around the net. And I was just kind of curious from your perspective how you kind of def- you see your game like in terms of in terms of how you play. Oh, that's fine. I was I was honestly wasn't taking it as criticism. I was just that's kind of something that I've been been thinking about and, and trying to focus on a little here in camp uh just get into those those you know, those i guess dirty areas more and, and those high scoring areas um you're right in the slot right in the crease there and um learning how to you know find space and and fish out pucks and you know when and make plays from those tight areas um is something that is super valuable and obviously um is you know how a lot of the goals are scored the next level as well yep no for sure um, you know, Shane, you know, to this point in, in your hockey career, you know, you obviously had a, a lot of success, um, you know, being an exceptional status player in the, in the Ontario league, uh, the huge year you had in your first Ontario season as a 15 year old, uh, you, you go to Canada's U20 campus 16, you know, same thing to the U18s is underage, uh, where you played very well. Um, it seems like, you know, things seem to go very well for you very often. So I think, you know, something I think maybe some of our listeners want to know or, you know, when have been some times, whether in hockey or, or off the ice, that maybe you've faced some adversity, things maybe didn't go your way. And 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 what was the way you responded to that? Yeah, well, one that really jumps out to me, obviously, is U20 camp um, in December there. Um, it, obviously, I was I was a 16-year-old. Not many 16-year-olds in history have ever made that team, obviously, some of the, the best players in the world and best players in history have. So um, I knew going in, it, it was, I'd have to really fight for my spot. And um, I feel like I left a lot out there. Um, I feel like I, I didn't compete my best. I felt like I was a little timid. So, um, and you know, I, I deserved to be cut. I didn't, I didn't deserve to make that team. And I think I really kind of took that and um, you know, really wanted to you know focus more on my game and, and how I can respond to those big situations and make sure that didn't happen again. And um, I feel like I responded really well at U18s. Um, I feel like I had a really solid tournament there. And um, I think that's, yeah, just, just getting cut from that team, um, not making that team was definitely, uh, um, you know, something that really hit me pretty hard. Um, and it's something that uh, has definitely fueled me in the future as well. Obviously, your your cut around there was in very unique circumstances because of the fact that you didn't get to finish your previous OHL season and your future one was uh, not yet started, you know, what was your mentality when you, when you got cut and had to go home after that? 
I think it's my mentality was just get back to work, get back to get back in the gym right away, get back on the ice and, and just get back to work and, and, um, you know, work hard and work on your games to make sure that, you know, that doesn't happen again. Make sure you, you, know, you never get cut from one of those teams ever again. Um, I think that, you know, really fueled me to, to push myself even harder um, and, and prepare even more for, for this season. Um, Shane, entering this next season, you know, you just among my discussions with NHL scouts, you seem like the, the early favorite to be the first pick in the next year's NHL entry draft. Does it, you know, still a full year ahead? Anything, you know, we'll see what happens between now and, and July, but right now you are, you know, the, the odds on favorite. And when you kind of look at some of the guys who've gone first overall in recent years, Jack Hughes, Nico Heeshier, uh, Alexi Lafreniere at forward, uh, as specific examples, you know, they've some, they've had success in the NHL, but they haven't had the immediate you know, star success right away as like say Nathan McKinnon or, or Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews did, you know, have you watched any of those guys closely, whether as, as juniors or in the pros and, and what have you taken away from, from the paths that they've kind of forged so far and the early lessons they've had in the national hockey league? Yeah. Um, I, f- I feel like it, it's hard to to think of myself as, as a potential first overall pick right now, because the season hasn't started yet. There's still so much time between now and then. Um, so it, it's hard for me to, to picture that happening right now. Um, it, there's just so much time. There's so much that can happen. Um, so I really, I really try not to focus on that too much. Obviously it's cool hearing your name said in that way. Um, but it really doesn't matter right now. It, only time that matters is, is July 7th when, when the draft takes place. So um, I obviously I, I like watching those guys. I like watching Hughes and, and he sure and, and Lafreniere they're, they're obviously talented players and um, you know, they're, they're going to be fine. A couple not, not so great years is, is nothing to be ashamed about. It's, it's the NHL's toughest league in the world. I think they'll be, they're going to be fine in the future. Yeah. I would say their lack of instant success has, has, has been an interesting, interesting discussion point. And I kind of was curious if you if you see that and you and you it puts in context what the next level is pretty much. Yeah, I think that definitely shows just how tough the NHL is. Obviously, those guys are, are first overall picks. You know, the be- the best um, the best players in their age group, and um, they're they're still not having that much success at the NHL level. I think that just goes to show the level of talent and and you know how just how hard it is to to make it at that level and, and to be successful in that league and how much you have to push to you know get to that spot and um to be able to make it that far i just wanted to, to have a couple more but we'll let you go here in a second here but i, I noticed the poster of sydney crosby or the, the photo of sydney crosby over your shoulder is there a, a a story to that or are you are you a big sid guy yeah growing up sid sid was my guy he was my favorite player um i absolutely loved him um yeah this picture uh it's it's signed by him and it says uh it says to shane keep working hard good luck so um he i was able to get you know that personally signed towards me um by sid and it's something that i i look at every day it's something that you know inspires me and and really fuels me because obviously he's one of the best players in history um and and you know one of my favorite players as well so um he's a guy that just a huge role model for for millions of kids and, and myself included and um it's it's pretty cool to have uh you know him him write that message to me so yeah how old were you when you got that 
Um, I got that um, during my first year here in here in Kingston. Yeah, so I was just 15. So I've heard that your parents had a big impact on you as a as a hockey player. I'm just curious, kind of in your mind, what does that look like? Your parents, Simon and, and Tanya, uh, I believe are their names. Uh, what, what what's the impact that they've made on you as as an athlete and, and as a person? I think uh, I know. I mean, obviously, it's the same for a lot of kids, but just the sacrifices they made. Um, you know, the t- the time and money and, and effort spent to to take me everywhere in hockey to um, you know, drive me to all my training, all my practices and, um, and, you know, all the, all the criticism, all the, uh, all the tough words sometimes after a bad game or, um, you know, just, just, especially my dad, you know, t- driving home from games and, in, in, uh, in minor hockey, they're just, um, talking to him about, you know, how I played and what I can do better, I think. Um, and, and just so inspiring for, you know, the way they work and, um, you know, how much they sacrifice and really, uh, just raised me to to try to earn everything and and don't take anything for granted. Um, never get complacent as well. That's something my my dad has always preached to me. Um, never get complacent and, and comfortable with with what, where you're at and, and what your game's at. Um, and always you know always strive to be the best that you can be. So, yeah. Last thing for me, then we'll close on this. I mean, you're finally now in your draft year and and you're back on the ice. You're you're playing real games. What are you most looking forward to about the next twelve months or so that, that that's going to come? Finally, be able to play hockey. That's, I think it's it's pretty simple. Finally, be able to to play games. Finally, be able to compete, compete against guys, and and you know play the game I love. Obviously, it's been a long off season, but it, it's it's good to be back, and I just can't wait to play. Fantastic. Well, Shane, we really appreciate you joining us today, and, and looking forward to watch you play this year and, and and for a long time after that. So, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you once again to Shane Wright for joining us on the Athletic Hockey Show. Certainly going to be seeing a lot of him both this year and in the years to come. Um, But we're going to move now into some of the players who have already been drafted in the NHL, the prospects that Corey and I have been seeing at NHL prospect tournaments over the past week. Corey was in Traverse City for the first part of that tournament. He went to Arizona. I stuck around Traverse City. uh, That's where the Red Wings are, obviously. Um, And so we're going to go right there and to wrap the Traverse City tournament. And, And for me, I think the two guys... Three guys that I left the most impressed by from the whole tournament. Two of them from the Columbus Blue Jackets, Cole Sillinger and Igor Chinnikov, and then Scott Perunovic from the St. Louis Blues. Perunovic in particular seems like, of everyone that was at that tournament, the one that I would say looked the most, a cut above, the most ready to go to the NHL. And I think we saw that in the St. Louis's early games, Corey. Um, you know, Just a player that when you look at the combination of the skating and the skill, he just looked like he could do a little more than the rest of the players there. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, just from what I saw, the one game that I that I saw him in, you know, his his skating and his hockey sense uh, were differentiators for him at that level. Uh, I think with Perunovic, is I believe he is twenty three years old. So when you're watching that that kind of event, you have to make that kind of adjustment in your brain. You know, like Riley Tufty, I thought stood out for Dallas, but he's a little bit of an older prospect, and we and he's kind of a fifty fifty on you know whether he's actually ever going to make the NHL or not right now. So there 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 is that there is that balance there. And I think for Perunovic now, it's you know now it's time for the main camp. Let's see what he does at that level. Uh, our our colleague Jeremy Rutherford uh, put out his you know his kind of a season preview for, for the Blues, and he, he has Perunovic kind of on the bubble right now to to make that team. I think that kind of shows the the context need to put that term in it. Whereas where a guy like Sillinger comes in, who is an eighteen year old and right out of the USHL, and it can excel at that level, I think is extremely impressive. Not, it's not to say Prunovich's play wasn't impressive, but I think when you see what a guy like Cylinder does there, that that is, I think, a little bit more intriguing. 
Yeah, we're, we'll get to Sillinger um, in just one second here, but just just to kind of wrap on Perunovic, we, we were talking about um, the, the night that we watched him together at that tournament, um, him standing out and talking about whether he's going to be in the NHL. One of the questions I asked you is, do, did you think he was redundant to Tory Krug? And I, I want to say your answer from that night was, you can have multiple of those guys. You just can't have your whole team, your whole defense corps be those guys. Is that, I mean, a fair way to put it? Yeah, that's kind of what that's kind of what I would say. I think you can have whether you know my opinion might reflect the entire industry's opinion. I think you can talk to some NHL teams that would get a little queasy if you had three of those guys on your blue line. Uh, but I think you could definitely have at least two in terms of guys who. And I think Prunovich will defend okay in the NHL just because of his size. It's it's going to be a limitation. But I think he's an excellent skater. I think he's a better skater than Krug is. So I think that can help him a little bit more on the defensive side. But but. Practically speaking, he's there for his offense in the National Hockey League. I think you could have two of those guys. I think you could have three. I once had someone, you know, tell me you can't have like six of those guys on on your team, and I like I understand why someone needs to kill penalties, someone needs to take the the uh, the tough defensive minutes, tough uh, D zone draws, etc. Uh, but I think Tori Krug and Scott Perunovich can definitely coexist on the same team. Yeah, one of the things I look for when I watch these games is, is there a player on the ice who, no matter what the score is of the game, when, when I watch the game, I go, yeah, the difference between these two teams is Team A doesn't have that guy and Team B does. And that's what Pernovich was. And I, I do think there was a degree to which that was also true with the Columbus Blue Jackets and Cole Sillinger. And I think what impressed me is every time I looked, uh, whether he had the puck or didn't have the puck, Cole Sillinger was in position to get the puck, whether he was going to take it away from someone or, or get a feed, um, just looked, stood out as a really smart hockey player to me. Yeah, he's smart and the and he has some offensive skills, you know, in terms of the hands and the shot, but he's also a really physical player. And I think that's the physicality aspect of him, I think, is what makes him so interesting. He, you know, he's average size, but... Uh, the compete level is really good uh, with Sillinger to go with the hockey sense, to go with this, with the skill uh, and the goal scoring ability. The, the feet are always going to be the question with him. But I think other than the feet, he kind of has every other, you know, thing you want uh, in, in a top prospect. And I think it's why, you know, you can, you know, whether you thought he should have gone top eight, top 10, whatever. I think you can, you came away from that event saying, oh yeah, that's, a, you know, he was, that's why he was top 15 pick. It was, it's kind of clear as day. It, it was. And his line really, um, leaving the tournament, I don't know that I had any doubt in my mind that his line with Igor Chinnikov was the most impressive line at that tournament. And, and Chinnikov, I, I don't know what number, of, what his final goal tally was. I think it might have been six. It was six, yeah. And and the the third game, which was the last of his games I would have been at, um, he was outstanding. He, he closed it with a big shot from the point. I, th- I don't know if he had a hat trick or two goals in that game. Um, but he was, you know, he was a force to be reckoned with. And, and, you know, he, he, he's a year older as well, two years older than Sillinger. I believe he's, he's, this would be his age 20 season. Um, and, and so, you know, you want to make an adjustment for that mentally too, but I, I think you can see that this, this kid looks like a first round pick. Yeah. You know, he, I think the shot looked not just good. It looked like really good. I think that's kind of always the degrees when you're evaluating guys you rest with, is this, you know, is the skill this level or is it, or is it a notch higher, you know, whether you know it's my rating system or someone else's rating system that you might use, you're always kind of talking about things. And I, I had a shot as, um, you know, a, a potentially NHL above average uh, before. And now I'm watching I'm like, oh, no, this might actually be like a real high-end caliber NHL shot. You don't want to make those conclusions based only on a couple of prospect showcase gains, but it definitely gets you thinking at the, at the minimum from – the way I saw him be able to finish plays from range, 
uh, at that event. It was definitely impressive. And because even though I don't think he is the fastest player ever, uh, because he has skill, he has hockey sense, and if the shot is that good, you can envision a world where you know he can play an Eli Tolvanen type game and and have success in the National Hockey League. Yeah. So those are the three players that, that I left the weekend the most impressed by. I mean, there, there's plenty more happened. And, and for fans of Dallas, Toronto, Detroit, Scott Wheeler's got a whole list of observations and standouts from that camp for, for Detroit specifically. I've got my Red Wings observations. You can read all of that on The Athletic. But but to me, those were the three guys. I don't know if I glossed over anybody that you felt like it from, from when you were there that, that really merits kind of special mention here. No, I mean, I just like Dallas's team in general. Like, I yeah. They just had a lot of guys there that whether it was Delandria or, or Bork. Or or Stan Coven, uh, Wyatt uh, Johnston, you know Johnston, right? I thought Damiani had some good moments. You know they just they just seem like they're having a really nice team there. Doesn't mean they have the best farm system ever, but it means I think they've got players there that are going to help their team. That will help supplement the core that's already there. Uh, whether it's a second line forward or a second pair defenseman, you know there there are guys coming that can be important players for this team. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you ducked out on Saturday to, to get to the Arizona tournament and that might have been the most, we talked about star studded of, of the prospect tournaments there. You look at some of the teams that were there. That's no surprise. Anaheim, LA, San Jose. These are teams that have been picking really high. Colorado, uh, also has a couple of high picks, uh, because of they, they had the Ottawa pick the one year and, and Alex Newhook felt falls to them in the middle of the draft. What did you see at that Arizona tournament? Who, who popped out there? Well, we'll start with the teams that you kind of mentioned that have a lot of, had a lot of the draft capital. We'll start with the Kings. Uh, I thought Turcotte was the best player and the one in a, in a bit games that I saw of the Kings play. Uh, I thought just, you know, his effort level really stood out. It's always been kind of the thing Alex Turcotte's been known for is, is how hard he works. And he was really good in terms of how he won battles, really good on the back pressure uh, to kind of create some havoc and create turnovers. And he has good speed. He has good skill. He has good playmaking ability. But I just like seeing that from him because I found his play has been really kind of up and down over the last two years. And, and it was good to see that. Uh, on the other hand, when I watched Quentin Byfield in, in, the, in the one game, in one of the big games I saw the Kings play, I didn't think he stood out in the same manner. But the scouts who were there who watched the Kings games that, that I wasn't at said he was very good. So just kind of a little bit of a wash there on that front. Uh, Brian Clark was sick, so he couldn't play at that. So it was disappointing not to see him. I thought Kalia and and there was like you know I thought Kalia Fajimo they were they they were pretty solid. Fajimo particularly stood out there to, uh, in that event. Uh, Kupari I, I liked quite a bit. Uh, Tyler Madden really wasn't so good in the one game I saw, but people told me he was better in, in other games. Uh, and that's kind of one of the things when you have like these kind of farm systems is uh, you just want to make sure you have a lot of these type of guys and. And hope some of them hit. And I think this is going to be a really interesting uh, training camp and overall season for, for Kings fans when it comes to these youngsters. Because I think they're at kind of a point now in their rebuild where you are hoping that some dividends start to pay through. Whether it's Byfield or Turcotte or, or Kaliev or Kapari, Akil Thomas, uh, Fajamo, etc. I think it's reasonable to hope that some of these guys start to push through and start to help the big club. Maybe not be top players right away. But I think you're hoping that this season you're starting to see some help come from their farm system. Um, Anaheim, McTavish got hurt during the first game. Uh, I, I saw Zegers had to be helped off the ice in the second game, although it looks like uh, or Eric Stevens said he will be fine. Um, I thought Drysdale was, was rather good. I thought Olin Zellweger, the most recent uh, second-round pick, was, was quite good. Uh, you know, I think Zellweger just continued to impress it and just 
honestly just looked like a really overall solid defenseman every time I've watched him in the in the last year and a bit. Um, so that that was good to see. I thought Jacob Perot actually was quite solid too. I didn't really love his American League games last season, but he was 18 in the American League. Maybe I'm being a little harsh, uh, but I, but I thought he was you know he was you know good enough to to you know maybe counterbalance that a little bit in my brain. But we'll see how the rest of his training camp and his next season goes. Uh, so that would be the that would be the stands for me from, from Anaheim, particularly Drysdale and, and Zellweger. Uh, not not surprised from Drysdale, being, being that he played in the National Hockey League last season, and I think he's just one of the best young defensemen in the game right now. That he would look good at, at a prospect showcase level, and and you mentioned Colorado. I actually didn't really love Byram in the one game I saw. I thought he was he wasn't bad. He just was okay. New Hook, I would say, was better. Just a little bit more engaged, more pace, more energy in his game to go with some of the offense. Uh, and then you know, everyone always told me that Jean-Luc Foudy was really good in the American League last year. Didn't put up a huge numbers, uh, but everyone I t- everyone talked to who scouted that level told me he was good. And I thought he was quite good at this camp. You know, dynamic skater. You know, both him and his brother Liam always been really you know, was good skaters. Always found to be a little bit perimeter and consistent with his effort. Thought he was more consistent in this camp. Uh, create offense through his playmaking. Create offense through his speed. Uh, you know, we'll see. I think he'll need to have a you know a, a good year to possibly make Canada's under twenty team. But overall, I thought that was a strong performance from him. And you know, we keep going down the list. You know, with San Jose, uh, Vegas, uh, in Arizona, the guys I thought stood out from those teams. I had on, on my write up at the Athletic. Uh, but those are kind of that was kind of the high level observations for me from from that event. I mean, just to zero in on on one of the first ones you said for Alex Turcotte to to kind of be the standout player there for LA seems pretty notable. I mean, obviously he's been a really high level prospect for a number of years now, going back to when he was the fifth overall pick to LA. But but a guy that I think some people had kind of maybe started to raise a little bit of question about in in the last year in particular. I mean, did he look like a player who you think could play in the NHL this year? And and has he kind of I guess quelled any of the kind of questions people might have raised over the last year or so? Probably wouldn't want to be racing two years worth of performance with with, uh, with a couple of prospect showcases. Based games. on what you saw, though, in terms of the, the the little elements in his game, yeah, like from what the games I saw, it looked like an open question for me whether if there was a one center position available out of the Kings camp, whether it be him or Byfield who takes that job. Um, you know, my personal evaluation of these players over years is I thought it would be like Byfield would clearly take that job. If it came down to the two of them, but that wasn't what I saw from what I what I watched them at the camp. All right, there's also a couple other tournaments going out going on throughout the weekend that, that neither of us were at, and that was in in Buffalo and and in Tampa or yeah, Florida. Um, any kind of buzz coming out of any of those? I know we weren't able to get our own eyes out of them, but anything you heard from from either of those two tournaments that that really stood out to you? Yeah, no, I mean I talked to some scouts that uh, were at these various events, and I didn't want to write about them in my article. I'm not sure if anyone read the comments of my article, but there was a lot of people asking me to comment on uh, tournaments I wasn't at, and I, I apologize for not being at everything. That was all taking place on the same weekend. Uh, but from the uh, the showcase that was taking place in Tampa, I heard a lot of good things about about Seth Jarvis, the Carolina prospect. Uh, it seems to be you know a lot of positivity around him and his play. And uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to make the team as a teenager, but I thought you know everything I heard down there. They said he, you know, he was. People said he was a standout guy there. Uh, heard good things about Tomasino, the national prospect, Logan Hudsko, the Florida prospect, all all forwards um, from the Buffalo tournament that had both uh, New Jersey, Buffalo, and the Devils. I heard a lot of good things about Dawson Mercer. 
uh, the center uh, prospect that they took out of the queue uh, with their second of their three first round picks in the 2020 draft. And, and I actually, you know, this has been an opinion, a bit of a minority opinion that I heard from some scouts over the last year that they think, you know, Mercer might even be better than Alex Holtz. Um, but from that was kind of the consensus I was getting out of that is, you know, hey, you know, I think these two are closer than probably a lot of people are saying wow. right now. Um, and I don't know, because Mercer's had a really good year and, and Holtz didn't have, you know, had a, he had a good year. It was an amazing year. Um, and as I said, it's, less, it's probably more of a compliment to, to Mercer in that regard. It was like kind of like this, you know, always kind of hear like the comp of like a Mark Stone-ish type player. Doesn't mean he's going to be as good as Mark Stone because you know, Mark Stone's one of the best players in the National Hockey League. But this really competitive, skilled, smart forward with good size who can score and his feet are just okay. Uh, that's kind of always been the description of Mercer. So we'll see how he carries it over into his NHL camp. Um, from what I heard out of that out of that camp, you know, it kind of seems to indicate that he has a maybe even have a shot to make the final team. And from the Chicago Minnesota games, the scouts uh, who I talked to there. I uh, really like Matt Boldy. No surprise, had a great year in college. Great World Junior was nearly something like a point of game guy in the American League. No surprise to see him stand at that level. They liked Kalen Addison a lot too, the defenseman for Minnesota, who was also very good in the American League. And from the Chicago side, I definitely kept hearing a lot of good things about Lucas Reichel, who are Scott Powers has recently written uh, saying that he he has a very good shot to make Chicago. Are we expecting Kalen Addison in the NHL this year? Is is there I don't know what the what the buzz is around him. Yeah, uh, Russo kind of uh, seems to indicate he has a shot, but it's not a lock by any means. That they have some depth defensemen there too. Uh, it would shock me if he has to start the year in the American League, be the first injury call up. But he had a really good year in the American League. Um, you know, obviously Bill Guerin values this guy. Uh, you know, he was there in Pittsburgh when when they drafted him, and then he goes and acquires him uh, via trade. He's performed rather well. It, it I could definitely see him making the Wild. Um, it, it would have to be definitely in a power play type role because he's not going to be there to be like a six seven D who can PK. Yeah, the identity of the Wild for for so long here seems to have been that core of defensemen that they had, and obviously you subtract uh, Ryan Suter from that. But um, if if they, if Kalen Addison is able to, and you know, and I'm not saying he's going to be Ryan Suter, but if he's able to kind of step in and, and help bolster that top four and get them back to to where they were, especially on on that ELC, that's that's a huge boost for them. Yeah, well, think, and the thing with Addison is he has to be used in a very specific way, I think, yeah. just because of his size, and he's never really been known as the best defender. You know, he's just a dynamic skater, dynamic puck mover, who has to be on your power play. I think if he's on your team full-time. Uh, I still think he could be a top-four defenseman. There are top-four defensemen who do not kill penalties. Uh, but I, I, he would have to kind of fit into that kind of dynamic, whereas like six suitor or something someone along those lines was more of your typical two-way guy oh absolutely and i'm not saying he's going to be ryan suitor i just mean like now that he's out of the fold it, it would be huge for them to have an inexpensive guy be able to sl- slot in and, pl- and play an important role on that team just in, just in terms of propelling them forward with their cap situation yeah it's just because realistically guys like carson lambos ryan o'rourke damon hunt those guys are two to four years away at the, you know yeah. particularly for lambos who was just drafted all right. Anything else on, on kind of the recapping the past week or, or setting the stage for, for training camps this next week? Anything you're going to be paying particularly close attention to in, in those camps? Well, we're giving Columbus fans a lot of love here because uh, I'll be out <laughs> with one of their preseason games uh, next week. I'm currently about to go to the USHL Fall Classic and uh, and just, just north of Pittsburgh. I will be kind of watching all the, the USHL teams, getting my first uh, look at the US NTDP 18s. 
Uh, very, very excited for that team. Uh, Pittsburgh native Logan Cooley will hopefully. I think he was he was sick last week. I hope he you know, he will be ready to go uh, for this tournament because he's one of my favorite prospects for the upcoming NHL draft. And overall, just excited to see this NTDP team. Um, uh, you know, with everybody healthy, hopefully, and and ready to go to, to start the season. All right, well, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series, and, and please follow the Athletic Hockey Show on your favorite podcast platform. Leave a rating and review if you're liking it. That certainly helps us out a lot. And also make sure you subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. You can get all the bonus content from our entire network. Starts with 30-day free trial and then 99 cents a month after that. And, of course, right now, you can save 50% on an annual subscription to The Athletic when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. There'll be all kinds of good stuff coming from all over our network in the coming days, weeks, and months ahead. Going to be a really fun season. We hope you'll join us for that. Take care. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.